Welcome to the Mom Worthy Podcast. This is Brittany. This is Sam. Grab your coffee or your wine and come hang out with us. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, guys. We just had uh, our, a guest on, Shayna, who mm-hmm. is the licensed therapist slash relationship coach. And it is such great information, guys. I really love this episode. Yeah. I like it for a lot of reasons. One, from selfishly, I love hearing pointers from a, a counselor on how I can be better for myself, my children, my family, my marriage. Um, and then two, I feel like we get questions all day long about relationships and your guys' relationships and, mm-hmm. and, and our advice on what you should do. And we always try our best to give you our advice, but I just love that we had Shana on today because everything that she said is research-backed. Yes. And I think that's important for moms to hear. And not only do we get messages and stuff from people with these types of questions, but when we do the polls, oh it's my easy God. to see what kind of issues are going on. Mm-hmm. And we touched on a lot of things that get brought up either in the polls or in our DMs. And seriously, this episode, if you're struggling at all, or maybe even if you're not, or maybe if you're about to have a kid, or if things just don't seem perfect in your relationship, listen to this. Listen to everything she has to say. I honestly feel like this is even good for single people. Yeah. Because if you could go into a relationship yeah. with this thought process or even try to find somebody with a similar thought process on we're willing to communicate yes. in this style, in this way, Yes, I think it's good for anybody for sure. to hear. I feel like I'm relatively very happy in my marriage and I still really enjoyed hearing it yes. because... I, I'd rather be proactive than mm-hmm. reactive as well. The things we learn over time, like, these are the types of things. Like, I wish I knew more about this. Year, like, when I was in my early 20s, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I wish we, these are things that we can learn now and teach our kids. Yeah. Too. Well, I feel like it's a maturity thing, too. I it wasn't is. mature enough to hear people tell me this and to really, truly understand what that they were true. telling me. So I think that's part of it. But, but do our best to educate them, but... With communication, we hear the word. You know, communication, communication. What does it mean? Yeah. And if we can teach our kids how... Yeah. How important communication really is. Yeah. And maybe even when it comes to people telling them things, like, maybe they didn't communicate that well, so don't take it so hard. Yes. You know, whatever it is. In life, in business, in friendships. Yeah. It truly does come down to communication. Well, well uh, Shane also talks about... Your communication w- between you and your, your spouse mm-hmm. will teach your kids that communication. Exactly, yes. You know, so if we really want to impact change for the future generation, for our own children and their future happiness in a relationship, we really need to work on our relationships. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think everybody should listen to it. I really feel like this is one's that your spouse needs to listen to. I think you need to listen to it, and I think that you really need your spouse to listen to it. And she was saying, like, if you don't know where to start, get a book to read together, watch a tutorial together, listen to this podcast together. (laughs) You know what I mean? Honestly, because I feel like this podcast is a better stepping stone than a random book. Totally. Because this is going to put... Like, the whole, why are we doing this? Why are we working for this? What is our end goal on the same page for both yeah. you and your spouse? Yes. And then go choose a book yep. to start the journey or, you know, counseling or whatever. But I think that this podcast episode, like, wraps up 
into a nice bow. Totally. What we need to focus on. Totally. Exactly. So listen to it, or, or maybe listen to it together, but, or if you can listen to it and then send it yeah. over to your husband. Highly recommend both of you, or your spouse, your partner, whoever. Totally worth it to take the 45 minutes, and not even 40 minutes, whatever it is, to hear out what Shayna has to say. Yeah. And I, I definitely encourage you guys to follow her on Instagram as well. It's at loveafterbaby is her Instagram handle. And she does a really good job of posting really good tips and, and, and communication ideas yeah. and advice regularly. So I would, I would give her a follow. Yeah. So here's our conversation with Shayna. Enjoy. Perfect. Now picture time. All right. Hey, Shane, can you introduce yourself uh, for our followers? Let them know exactly who you are, what you do. Yeah. So hi, I'm Shana Shockett and I am a licensed therapist, mom to two girls and a wife and a lot of other roles in my life. Um, I started out doing therapy for a lot of um, young women issues, life transition issues. And then I started seeing a lot of trends among young moms that I was working with where they felt like their relationships were changing. They felt like they no longer loved their spouses or they were constantly getting into fights about the same things over and over. And as a mom myself, some of the stuff sounded a little familiar. And then next thing I know in like Facebook groups that I'm in for like Peloton moms or stuff like that, there's all these posts about people saying how, um, you know, my husband's nothing, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's not a bad guy, but like, I don't know if I love him anymore. Or one mom was, was recently postpartum and driving around trying to get her baby to sleep. We've all been there where like the baby's not sleeping. So you finally just put them in the car and drive. And she's like, I don't like want to go home. I don't know why. And granted, she was still very newly postpartum. So there's a lot of hormones stuff going on. But I like to call it what you don't expect when you're expecting where there are these, all these relationship shifts that happen naturally because you don't have the same time as before. You don't have the same energy as before. You don't have the same focus as before. And there's this new little being that's completely dependent on you. And there's these shifts that automatically happen because of that. And people don't talk about it because they're worried people are going to think that they have a bad relationship. And obviously for some people, it's more extreme than for others. For some people, it's just little shifts. Whereas for some people, it's big shifts, but people hardly talk about it. So even if it's just small shifts for you, you're like, none of my friends say this is happening for them. So they must, this must be something bad. And people start questioning the relationship overall. And that's where it gets tricky. So I decided why not put this message out there that it's normal for these things to happen so that women don't feel alone, feel validated, and then also know that there are things they can do to make things better. Yeah, I love that. Kind of takes me back to when I was younger, before I was in a serious relationship, and my mom would tell me, relationships are work. And I was like, yeah, 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 mom. Like, I thought I understood what that meant, but boy, did I not understand what that meant yeah. in years into my marriage. Yeah, it is. Like, when you're young, when you're young and idealistic, you see, like, if you have to work at it, it's not meant to be. Yes. Wow. I think, too, once you have kids, I think moms have, like, this expectation of dads and almost see them playing the role as a dad in a certain way. And sometimes if dads don't, if they don't live up to that expectation, it ruins every, it makes everything fall apart for them. 
A hundred percent. And that's something also that I talk about a lot to my clients, moms who like send me DMs, things like that, where some of this stuff happens before babies even come into the picture, but it gets exaggerated once babies come into the picture. Each person is coming from a different background, different family dynamics. You have different ideas of what a relationship looks like or what a mom's supposed to do, what a dad's supposed to do. Um, or if let's say it's, you know, two moms or two dads, there's so many different ideas of what the home looks like. So when you come in there with different expectations, you end up getting frustrated when they're not doing the thing that you expect them to be doing. And you feel like they're not doing it right. And there's obviously something wrong here. And maybe we're not meant to be because we don't see things the same way, but it's not that you're not meant to be. It's just, you have to communicate. You have to work at it. You have to remind each other. You have to encourage each other. And there's still going to be times where you get frustrated and annoyed with each other. But as long as you're still breathing, I like to say you can work through it. Yes. I feel like a lot of the questions we had, it seems like that could be maybe the core issue too. But we did get a lot of questions specifically for you. Um, yeah. I think one of, one of the ones that kept coming through was how to prioritize each other. In, in a marriage with your children, working, you know, or staying at home, there's so much to do there anyway. So how do you successfully prioritize each other? Yeah, so we often think like, I need to put my kids first, I'm the mom, or the dad thinks that we need to put our kids before us, or, you know, the parents always think that because we love them to death, we would do anything for them. And we would put our own selves, you know, in front of a truck to save them if need be. But as um, the Gottmans, and you'll hear me saying stuff from them a lot probably because I absolutely love their research. Uh, two psychologists in Seattle, they have what's called the Love Lab and they have this quote where they say, the greatest gift you can give your children is a healthy relationship between the two of you. Because our kids feel safe and loved and healthy when they see that their home is healthy and loving and respectful. When parents fight, depending on what age the kid is, they feel like they're responsible. They feel like their home might be torn apart. They feel like they did something to contribute to it and that something's gonna go wrong. And that's why sometimes kids who have parents who fight a lot try extra hard to behave because they think like, if I'm good enough, my parents won't fight and my parents will get along, they'll have less things to fight about, especially when parents fight about kids. I've seen kids in therapy where they'll say like, their parent fights about what to what they should or shouldn't be allowed to do, like as in the kid. And then they feel like they're responsible for making friction between their parents when that's not the main issue going on. But for you to model for your kids a healthy relationship and to get along, you're showing them what healthy relationships look like. You're creating a safe, nurturing home for them and modeling for them, like this is what you should want in the future. And this is this is things that you can create in the future. Whereas I've worked with kids whose parents didn't have healthy marriages and they're like, no one has good marriages. That doesn't exist in this world. Relationships are always bad because that's what they've known to be their reality from when they're little. So when you prioritize having that one-on-one -on -one time, it's not selfish. It's one of the best things you can do for your kids to create a healthy development for them and allow them to expect healthy relationships in the future. I feel like moms do feel guilty sometimes, especially moms feel guilty to take away any time from their kids, but that is so true. It's for yeah. them. It's good for them to try to prioritize your relationship. It took me probably a solid year to, uh, yeah, to leave my son for a chunk 
amount of time. Yeah. But when I finally yeah. started doing that more often, I, I did feel a lot better, even for my own self-identity, not mm-hmm. just my relationship with my husband, but my own identity as a, as a woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back together, the more I did take time away from my child and spend time yeah. with him and yeah, and I know a big topic we spoke about, I don't know if you want to bring it up now, is about the me time, where I get questions from moms like, how do I not feel guilty about going to work and leaving my baby or going to like the gym if I need to, or like going out for my own coffee or this or that? And there's two parts of it. There's the feeling guilt, and then there's also the telling your partner you need that time. In yeah. terms of the guilt, I tell them, instead of focusing on how bad you feel that you're leaving your baby... Think about how what you're doing is helping you be a better mom, whether that's mentally, physically, financially, energy-wise. Some moms, you know, they need to work to provide a certain kind of life for their family or even any life for their family where they're not like homeless. And so they need to get out to do that. Some moms, if they're home all day without any adult interaction, they go a little bit crazy and they feel, um, you know, they feel stuck and then they're on edge. And while for some moms that might be something perfect that works for them and they are wonderful stay-at-home moms and they love doing that, some moms either can't afford to financially or can't afford to mentally and they need to go out and that's what is best for your family and what you need to do to be the best family you have. So just because something works for someone else, you don't have to feel guilty if that's not what works for you. And that applies with anything in parenthood and I'm sure you've done different topics like sleep training or feeding or this or that there's no one right way which is why babies are not born with a manual you know there's different theories and there's different experts who will all share different different opinions and reasons behind them but each one has different merit to it and different things that might not be the best so you have to figure out what works best for you and that's the best answer for you and in terms of your partner it's communicating to them assertively, which people often get wrong what assertiveness is. We often confuse assertiveness with being, for lack of a better word, a bitch. Yeah. Um, we all have like that image in our head of like that girl who like just speaks her mind. And that's not what assertiveness is. There is a spectrum of being passive to being aggressive and assertiveness lies somewhere in the middle. And what it has to do with is whether you are being respectful to yourself and to others. So when you're passive, you're respecting other people's boundaries. You don't want to make them uncomfortable, but you're not respecting yourself. So that might be your time. That might be your, your character. That might be your opinions. You're not respecting yourself because you don't want to um, disrespect someone else or make somebody else uncomfortable. When you're aggressive, you don't care about other people. You just care mostly about yourself. So I'm respecting my time, my opinions, my things above all. If that doesn't work for you, too bad. Nobody cares. It's only about me. Assertiveness is this middle place where we respect the other person and ourselves because we're both important. So maybe, you know, someone needs your help with something, but you know that while you would love to help them, that means that you're going to be exhausted later or you're not going to be able to do something for your family or for your marriage or for your kids. Then that, you know, it can't get done. So you can tell somebody in the nicest way possible, like, you know, I would love to help you, but I really can't this week. And some people feel the need to start giving explanations of why, if that's what you like to do and you're close enough to that person, that's your relationship, then do that. But you don't owe explanations to people for things. That doesn't mean just disregard people. Like 
you know, if, if your friend's having a life or death situation and your kid's just not going to have their homework project completely done because they need help with something like, you know, weigh it out. Maybe your friend's life or death situation is a little bit more important, but, you know, be, use common sense about it. Some things are more important than others and figure out what feels right to you. And then communicate assertively to your partner about needing to take a shower without the kids popping into the bathroom every five seconds, that you need to just go out for a walk for 10 minutes to clear your head without a kid hanging on to you, you know, and, and that ties into other stuff that's going to come up later on about, you know, being touched out and all that. And so that's how we can encourage our partners to, you know, go with it and help us out because then we're going to be able to show up for them in other ways that they want us to because we feel more energized. Yeah. And they're not mind readers. Yeah. You know, exactly. It's like, we feel like I gave you a certain look, yeah. you know, you know, I want you to be a certain way, but ultimately they're not mind readers. And the, the sooner we can be comfortable with just kind of saying what we need in the way that you presented, the happier you're going to be, the happier marriage is going to be. You know, I, I remember yeah. the first year of, of having a child for me and my husband was probably the hardest year we've had. And, and I mentioned earlier to you, we've been together for 10 years. So the first yeah. year, is really tough. And I think what really helped was when I did start setting more boundaries with what I needed from him, you know, Hey, I'm exhausted. Yeah. You get this diaper change. I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I'm going to bed early. You've got them yeah. out. Yeah. You know, and things really started helping me just feel rested again, which helped everything else, yeah. you know? And so I just think it's so important. The message that you have is like, we need to be able to tell them what we want. We cannot expect them to know what we want. Yeah, 100%. And that's another misconception in relationships where, you know, people think if you need to work on it, then it's not meant to be. People also think if they love me, then they know what's important to me or they know what I care about. Not necessarily because if it's not like important to them, they're not thinking that. And when they're not thinking that, it's not that they don't care about you. It's not that they don't care about you if they're not thinking about what's important to you. So we live busy lives. We have to be reminded of things. And like something I posted recently on one of my story slides is like, if you've seen those water bottles that have the time markers of like 8 a.m., 12, like whatever, do we not know when we're thirsty? Do we not know that like it's good for us to drink water? We know that, but when we're going about our day all busy before we know it, we're going to sleep and like, oh, I had my coffee today and then I had like three sips of my kid's water bottle. So, you know, we have to be conscious of certain things when we're busy that we're just not going to think about. And is it that, oh, water's not important. No, I know like, you know, hydration is super important and our bodies are 80% water or whatever it is. And it's so healthy for us. But when you're going about your day to day and there's so many things taking up mental headspace, that's just not a thing that's on your mind. So in terms of your partner, of you for them and them for you, it's not that they're not important to you or you don't care about them. It's just that there's so much going on that sometimes it's not the focus. Yeah, I agree. And I think that even kind of leads into the touched out conversation as well, you know, because all day long you're getting touched by these little humans. And by the end of the day, you're like, I don't want to be touched anymore. And you haven't prioritized time for your relationship or you know, for you guys to kind of reconnect at the end of the day. So what is your advice for moms that are struggling with that? Because I feel like almost all of us do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's two parts to that. And one is the working on the relationship part. And one is on the actual, the touched out physical sensation. 
So in terms of the touched out part, there's ways to reteach yourself that touch can be enjoyable. See, we're like touched out in terms of like, we're nursing a baby, kids pulling at our dress, kids pulling down your skirt because they're trying to make you wait for them. Um, you know, kids touching your arm, like, it's like, stop touching me. Everybody's touching me. And so then when your partner touches you, it's like, oh, another person touching me sometimes. Yeah. And for some moms, they don't experience that. It goes, you know, again, there's some things that apply to some moms and some things that apply to others. But if that is something you're struggling with, it's totally normal. I get it. It's one of the top three things moms ask me about. So one part is to reacquaint yourself with touch as something enjoyable. So if that's for you, getting a manicure or pedicure or getting a massage or, you know, maybe your husband giving you a foot rub or, you know, your partner, if you don't have a husband, but getting yourself to remember, like, touch can be something nice. Like, it's not only other people touching me or getting things from me that they need, which yeah. for moms, sometimes touch and intimacy feels like it's for their partner if they're feeling touched out. And it is something that they maybe enjoyed before and can enjoy again, but they're just not feeling it now. So, you know, enjoy touch selfishly because that's going to allow you to then re-enjoy it in a partnership. And when your partner knows like, hey, if, you know, she has this, then she's going to be more likely to want to get things going on, then they're going to be more open to it because you communicate about this is what I need because this is how I'm feeling. And another thing is to work on the relationship piece where also with the with the touched out, it's because we're feeling so overstimulated and so much going on. So getting more help with certain things and letting them know like, hey, if I'm not also doing bath time or I'm not doing bedtime or I'm not doing this, if I have help with that, then I'll have a little bit left in my reserves at the end of the day for you that I don't have after all of these things that are stimulating me. And so that's a way to encourage getting more help. And in terms of the relationship piece, it's working on your relationship on an emotional level in addition to the physical level and then having little bits of touch. So maybe snuggling on the couch together, watching a movie feels a little bit more comfortable for you than like jumping into bed together. Um, having conversations, women tend to be more emotional, men tend to be more physical. And I say tend to because there are exceptions and there's some couples where the dynamic is different and there's even partners, you know, two, two women or two men and there might be differences there. And the, the point is that you have to figure out what's more important to you, what you need and have those conversations. Say, I need to talk a little bit. And there's something that I've shared on my page about Gottman six hours a week to have a you know healthy relationship and they've seen this through a lot of their research that couples with healthy relationships invest time into these areas and it adds up to six hours a week which sounds like a lot in like just hearing it like that but it's not six hours like one shot of something what those six hours are little things in your day and a couple big things to have each week that really add to your relationship so that's like taking time each morning to say goodbye to each other before you start the day which think about it, once you have kids, especially, it's like you're rushed, you're getting the kids ready for school or like for Zoom now, and you're, you're like throwing on some makeup, like brushing your hair if you get a chance to, throwing on some clothes. Um, everybody's just in a rush, and a lot of times you don't even say like, bye, have a great day, where you used to make that a priority, especially before kids came along. Um, 
you know, you used to walk each other to the door and say, no, don't go, I'll see you later. Um, you know, all those things, like just life changes. It's not because you don't love each other as much anymore. It's, it's just that life got real. And another thing is like taking a few minutes when, like at the end of the day, um, they say like 20 minutes, but again, it's what works for you. If you can't do a whole 20 minutes, it's fine. When your partner comes home saying like, hey, how was your day? Like, how was your day? Have a little conversation about it. You feel a little cared for. I know sometimes I really need to work on that just because I'm busy with the kids or I'm like doing something on my computer when my husband walks in and he feels like I don't care how his day went if I don't pick up my head from the computer. And I'm like thinking, I just need to get this thing done for five minutes. So it's being aware of those things. There are things that they can do. There are things that we can do. And it's not a zero sum game. And it's not like, oh, today was bad, it's done. It's, we're constantly thinking of it and working at it and growing at it. And then, you know, some moms think, why do I need to remind them all the time? Why do I need to tell them? And some of our partners sometimes think that about things they've asked us to do. And it's not that they need to constantly remind, it's whenever you're working on a new habit or changing something you're not used to, you need reminders, patience and repetition and persistence to get it, you know, to make that change. It doesn't happen overnight. Other things include, you know, affection in ways just like kissing or hugging. Maybe that feels more comfortable until you're ready to, you know, go full on. Then other, another one, a big one is a weekly state of the union meeting. So we all have these little things that pop up that annoy us during the week of like something our partner did or didn't do. And we end up saying it like in the moment, which just seems like a nag or gets frustrating or feels like they're always calling me out for something. They're always telling me things wrong that I did. So instead, save those things once a week, have a conversation and say like, these are things that went really well this week. These are some things that I think like we need to work on. These are things I need to work on. These are things I would love for, to see you work on. How do you feel about that? What do you think I need to work on? What do you feel like I did well or whatever? And acknowledge the things they did well because we know for our kids, we know for ourselves, we love encouraging those good behaviors because that's going to increase them. So it works in your partnership too. At the end of the day, we're all little kids in adult skin. We all need the same love and recognition and all those different things. So it's important to just notice the things that are going well and in a kind, softened way, point out the things that need to be worked on. And it's normal when you're, you know, going through life, sometimes you get really stressed and you do say things you don't mean, or you do yell, or you do, do get to a point where like, you didn't use those softened startups or those things you really know you would be better to use. That doesn't mean like, okay, we're out. Like this is the end. It's, you know what? I made a mistake. Own up to it. Have a conversation about it. Say, you know, I'm really sorry about the way that I responded to what you said and had this overreaction. I didn't mean to do that. I'm going to work on it. Yeah, a lot of it really boils down to good communication. Really, in life, every I feel a lot is about communication. Yeah. yeah. What do you suggest? Like this, all everything you're saying makes sense, right? It absolutely, clearly makes sense um, to what would be needed for a healthy relationship. But for like the women that are listening, maybe some of the men that are listening, you know, hopefully, um, <laughs> what do you suggest when their relationship is the complete opposite right now of this ideal? Like, where's the starting point? How do they start to, to go into this type of relationship? So first of all, have a conversation about it. Have a conversation that like, something's just not working here right now. And that doesn't mean that we don't work, but the way that we're going right now isn't working. We need to work on it to make it work better. And I know it might take time, it might take practice, but you're important enough to me that I wanna do that work. 
and you know we have our life together that I love overall, but these things keep popping up that are just making it feel like it's too hard and it doesn't need to be this way on a constant basis. So let's work on it together, whether that's going to couples counseling, although a lot of times partners don't want to go. So maybe you can go to therapy if that's something you feel like would be beneficial to you going, even you going, I put this out there for moms because I got a lot of questions like that. Some moms gave ideas of like them telling their spouse, just come with me to the first appointment or help me pick the therapist. If you don't like it, we don't have to do it. But you know, where we can keep going to different people until you feel comfortable you know, figuring out what works for you. But if they don't really want you and you feel like you going individually may be helpful, then do that. That's better than nothing. And then figure out finding some, whether it's a book you want to read together or whether it's an online course, which there are tons of those nowadays that you can watch together and say, just give, like, watch this with me. Can we work through this together? Can we dedicate, um, you know, 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it is a day or like 30 minutes a week on one night a week where we watch this and then we talk about a new habit we're gonna to try to work on over the next week so that we can improve things. I know it's gonna take time, I know it's gonna take work, but I value you, I hope you value me. Tell me what you need from me, this is what I need from you. Let's talk about it, let's make it a conversation because it is important. I know it's important for us, for our kids, because you know it's, it's for the family overall, it's for the two of you and the family as a unit and say, you know, I know we don't prioritize us, but in the end, it's going to affect our whole family negatively if we don't put us, you know, at the front of things. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really good way to word the conversation. I would just think that you would have to also be prepared to hear some stuff. Because although yeah. I think that we're perfect, mm-hmm. um, we're not. And I yeah. If I were to go to my husband with that, like I would assume, you know, he would come to me with some stuff. So I'd have to mentally be prepared to like hear it and not be defensive about it mm-hmm. and kind of like yeah. really be prepared for that conversation. Cause I can imagine that getting really heavy and thick. And that concept is called accepting influence, meaning it's the opposite of starting to get defensive and critical and throwing things back at a person where when you have a conversation and you're, you want someone to hear you out, you want someone to hear where you're at, you want someone to hear your feelings, your opinions, what you think needs to change, your thoughts, you have to be ready to take that from them, right? You can't just dish it and not take it. You, so you want to be able to accept influence from each other. So he's hearing me out, let me hear him out. And I know whenever I have conversations with my husband about something that bothered me or whatever, there's always something that bothered him because we are human, we're not perfect. So it's about, it's not about being perfect or never making mistakes or never messing up. It's about having that constant open line of communication. So because you made a mistake today, doesn't mean that the rest of the day, your relationship has to be bad or be in a fight, like talk about it. And on that note, there is a concept of not always needing to talk about like a conflict in the moment all the time, because when we're in the middle of fighting about something or heated, physiologically, we're very aroused. Our blood pressure is high. Our thoughts are racing. Um, you know, heart is pumping. There's all these things going on. And so we're less likely to hear something in a rational way. We're less likely to speak rationally. We're way more likely to misinterpret certain things or like see things like in the worst way possible that you can see them, say things that you don't mean to say in the way you're saying them. And so it's okay to say like, can we take a break and talk about this? Like either if 20 minutes is something that works for you or like, can we table this and talk about it, but set a time to talk about it. 
Because if you say, let's just talk about this another time, you're never going to talk about it. And it's going to keep popping up in the heat of the moment, that same issue over and over and over. Whereas if you set a time like during your weekly State of the Union meeting where, you know, let's talk about this thing that happened this week. I don't want it to keep popping up. What can we do so we each feel more understood and heard? And you have to make compromise sometimes. Say, you know what? Sometimes we'll do this. Sometimes we'll do that. Or this is just something that I'm going to accept because, and sometimes I can come into family dynamic stuff where I'm going to accept this thing or I will tell my family that it's absolutely not okay for them to do this to you. And, you know, things like that, setting up those kind of policies because you have to be important to each other and show each other that you're each important to each other and that you are a partnership above all. It's not me against you. It's me and you together tackling this problem. Like that. I think by also sometimes tabling those issues, it allows you time to really think through, like, is this something yeah. that does bother me? Mm -hmm. Does it not? Because I know sometimes in the moment, I think something bothers me. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. Um, yeah. I personally have gotten pretty good at what you're talking about, where like, I, I pick my battles. I wait till I know it really does bother me. Um, but I probably could get better about, you know, doing the state of the union where yeah. it's not in the moment, you know, like yeah. when I've decided, okay, yes, this has bothered me. I got to go talk to about it right now. Instead, something yeah. more formal, like you're saying. Which yeah, a hundred percent. That time to reflect often makes us realize like, wow, like, boy, did I overreact or that yeah. was not such a big deal. And something important I like to remind people when they say like, okay, this is not important actually mentally tell yourself like this will not be something that we get in a fight about it's not worth it because a lot of times we realize something isn't necessarily worth getting in a fight about but it still eats at us every time it happens and what that does is it just makes us feel and think negatively so that then when something else happens we overreact to that because it was like the straw that broke the camel's back and even though you didn't really get upset about those other things that happened, you were building up resentment inside. You were building up these like, you know, ammo inside that like you needed to get out so that when that one thing happened, you just blew it because there was all this other stuff. So if you're choosing to not let certain things bother you, actually physically like make yourself push those thoughts away really like consciously get them out because you're not doing anyone favors if you're not talking about it because you're making it as if you're letting it go but you're really not because then it's just going to make things worse later on so be very conscious about yeah. your feelings you know, yes and your control over them and you know we've talked about that before is i feel like a lot of people don't realize the control that you have over your thoughts and your mind but you really do have a lot of yeah for it and as you start to realize that and take the power over that, you can really start to make things like this. You know, you can, yeah. I'm not going to let this bother me. It does not bother me. And then like try to get it out. Yeah. And I mean, I never stopped finished about the six hours thing, but on that note, one of the things is, I'm not going to like go into all of them because I know we're short on time, but one of the things is appreciation and admiration. Taking a few minutes each day to think about something you appreciate or admire about your partner. And that's not that it makes all of a sudden they're perfect. This is on the same note as gratitude journaling. Whenever I work with a client struggling with like depression, anxiety, I very often recommend gratitude journaling because science shows that it improves our mindset and it makes us feel happier and more confident, et cetera. It's not because it suddenly makes negative things disappear, but 
I don't know if you've heard that saying, like what you focus on, what you focus your energy on becomes like the main thing in your life. So naturally we notice negatives. Like as people, we notice when something is off. The average person is more likely to notice something negative than something positive. So if we're naturally going to notice the negatives, we owe it to ourselves, to our relationship, to our minds, to our lives, to put some energy into noticing the positives. So what that does is it primes your mind to view that person or thing in a more positive light because you're thinking about something positive. And the more positives you notice, the more positives you will notice. So I have clients like when they're working on gratitude journaling, after they've gotten into this flow, they'll start noticing good things in their day that they wouldn't have noticed before because their mind is primed to look out for it. Similarly, in your relationship, you take the good things your partner does for granted. The annoying things that they do, even the annoying things that they do routinely, which technically you could take for granted, same way you take the good stuff routinely for granted, they annoy you every time. So same way, notice the little things, notice the things they're doing each day, like, oh, wow, it's really nice that they like pick that up for me on their way home. Or it's really nice that they took the baby away from me when they noticed that like I was like passing out and like just couldn't do it anymore. Because when you notice those things are doing good for you, you're primed to think about them more positively, which is only going to do good stuff for your relationship. Yeah. I think when you do notice those good things too, it's important to tell them, you know, yes. get that positive affirmation, positive reassurance. And in my experience, like they're more willing to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. If you really oh, yeah. praise them for it, they'll do yeah. it. Yeah. And then, yeah, then you like, think about yeah. yourself. Like when you were a kid, like, and your mom told you, you sleep, my mom used to tell me that I slept the floor the best, like got every single piece of dirt. And I was like telling people like, you know, I'm the best sweeper. My mom told me I'm the best sweeper. And, you know, years later, I realized she was telling me that because then I loved sweeping. And Ah. it was something that like she could get me to do. Uh Uh-huh. I thought push for her because he's so fast at doing dishes and he does dishes all the time. I'm like, can the dishes get on the dishes and he's like you got it yeah right so like when we tell somebody how good they're at at doing something they want to do it because they feel like they do it so well and they want to do things well so they want to do it because like oh I'm really good at this and I'm doing this thing I'm really good at and like she's gonna notice and think I'm really good at it so you know encourage that it's the same thing we want if I do something I honestly want my husband to notice too like if I took time and cleaned the house today I want that to be one of the first things he says when he walks in the house. I, yeah. You know? So, like, I, if I want that, I can understand that he would want that, too. And on the flip side of that, which ties into this is not something we're going to dive into, really, but maternal gatekeeping, which is when we keep things, like, that we want to control them because we want them done a certain way. On the flip side of complimenting when you like how they do something, when you tell your partner that they're not doing something well or they're not doing it the right way, that will discourage them from ever doing it again. They're like, she doesn't like the way I do this. She's going to tell me I'm doing it bad. So I don't want to do it. Like for me, that was bath time with my toddler. I, you know, I would like always do like quick bath time, get ready for bed. Whereas like, because he did it less frequently or like, you know, he he didn't do as much of the childcare stuff for him. It was like a whole event, like taking out all the bath toys. It was a super fun thing, but like delayed bath time. And so I'd be like, do it quickly. We have to go somewhere. Or like, I want her in bed already. And which made him like, not want to do it. He'd be, he'd be like, oh, we're in a rush. You do it. You do it better than me. You do it quicker than me. You do this. I created that. I'm the one who created that. So I only had myself to blame. And I was forced to take a step back when I was pregnant with my second and like physically couldn't bend over the bath as much anymore. And it was the best thing, just letting go and letting him like 
that was his thing. However he did it, I accepted it. it. Might be taking a bit long, might be taking out all the toys, might be making big bubble messes everywhere. But like, you know what? I was sitting back, let him do bath time. It's fine. It's all good. Gives me a break. It's good. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good point to say because a lot of times we want it done a certain way, our yes. way. But there really is 10 ways to do every single yeah. thing that you could do in life. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'd rather have something like half done than not done, even if that's yeah. so go ahead. Now. As long as like, as long as it's safe and like, it's okay, it's fine. Like some moms say, yeah, but like he doesn't cut the baby's grapes. So I'm like, yeah. So then educate him on how like the baby's earway is this big and like the grape is this big and we don't want a grape getting stuck. But like, if he doesn't chop this in this shape the way you do for the baby and the baby's still eating it, that's fine. As long as it's not something dangerous. Yeah, yes. So I have a question. So for people who do come to you, um, like, right, is it, oh, can you do Zoom session? Is that how you do it with clients right now? I, yeah, I actually, before COVID, I was like 80% online. And I had so many colleagues that I used to only go into the office one day a week. Like I had a home office and one day a week would go see people in person. And I had so many colleagues who would be like, is it the same, like, do you feel like you're really doing therapy? And I'm like, there's lots of research to support it. So like I'm going with it. And I've had clients who in online sessions, they say that they have told me more in one session than they told the therapist they were working with for a long time because they felt like they were literally in their comfort zone in their mm -hmm. home. Like they yeah. weren't in like the therapist's office where some people can feel uncomfortable going those first few times. Like there's this certain uncomfortability, like it's scary. And it's less scary being in your house, like in front of a screen. And then after COVID, I'm like, I've been a hundred percent online. And it was funny once COVID started, I was getting calls from all these colleagues who used to ask me like, do you feel like it's real therapy? And they'd be like, how do you do this? How do I get it set up? What do you use? And I'm yeah, like, oh, so you're open to it now. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, I, I think especially moms would be, yeah. be at home yeah. maybe, or maybe they can get away or whatever it is. So it's, what Especially, that's what I used to say for moms. Like if their baby is napping for an hour, they want to be able to use that hour for their therapy session, as opposed to like having to drive to the session, drive back from the session. It's, it's so much easier. Yeah. I could see that because honestly, I, I did recruiting during the work week and, and beforehand I would do interviews in person. And now I do interviews virtually and you know, you really can bond with people this way. Yeah. You really yeah. can build a connection. It's, it's phone calls are different, but when you're able to see each other face to face, yeah. really I would like yeah. be less nervous too to do it instead of in person. I would be less nervous in yeah. an interview. Yeah. 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 You can see what they're So like phone calls, I've had some clients who like I was working with for a while before COVID and then they are doing virtual meetings now for work all day. And they'll be like, Hey, can we do it as a phone call today? Just because I need to like have a break from screens. So that's different than like, if somebody's like, can I do a phone call? Because, um, I have my husband in the house and this and this and this, sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't click as much because we don't see each other. Like I think that you need to see each other those first few times to build the relationship. And then some, sometimes some people it's harder for them to build a relationship over a screen, but, in-person clients, there are clients who come in for that first session and it's awkward also because people are all different. Some people are naturally more open and able to talk and some people are a little bit more reserved and have a harder time getting used to you and opening up and it's going to be the same whether it's in person or on a screen. Mm -hmm. True, true. So where can our followers find you? So they can find me um, on Instagram at loveafterbaby. 
My website is thriveandshinewellness.com. Um, if they go to email me in the, the email button on Love After Baby, it will automatically populate an email like thing with my email address in it. And I'd love for them to follow to get more tips. I share stuff. I love when I get like DMs and questions from, from followers. So I know like what's going through the heads of moms and that helps me figure out, hey, what's something they want me to share? And yeah, so that's, that's where. With those are the types of questions we get a lot. Yes. We're not professionals. And so it's nice to know people like you where we can refer them yeah. over to. Yeah. So yeah. Our best to answer things. We'll but, give our own advice because sometimes but, people just want a girlfriend's yeah. advice and an ear to yeah. listen. But, you know, I really love having a resource like you because you have the data, the science, you Jeez, have the experience, yeah. you do this every day, the schooling, the training, you know, so on and so forth. So I definitely think you'll have a lot of mom followers yes. after this. Um, and, and we will absolutely keep referring people to you because everything that you said today, like my mom's a counselor, my mom um, has a, a doctorate degree in counseling and psych nursing and everything like that. So like really everything that you say is just so spot on. It really is. Like, I feel like I can back what you said completely. Um, Cause you've heard your mom say this stuff. All about what can we back, you know? And if we believe it, then we feel better and more passionate about backing it. So I yeah. throw like my two cents in there that I 100% back everything yeah. that you say today. And I just think it's yeah. really, really good information for moms and dads to hear. I really hope moms make their husbands or spouses you know, whoever they're with, listen to this as yeah. well if they're still. Yeah. Yeah. And when you said about statistics, that brings up like one question that I know came up that comes up for me as well is about like, when is divorce the answer? Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to throw in a stat there that they did, that. you know, they did statistics um, in the US that at a certain point, I don't know about like this year, I mean, I know divorce has skyrocketed during COVID, but typically <laughs> divorce rates yeah, divorce rates typically for first marriages are 50%, for second marriages are 67%, and for third marriages are 73%. So I don't know if part of that is like, oh, I already ripped off the band-aid once, I can do it again. But part of it is also that we think that if we go to get a new relationship, we'll find someone who doesn't have those flaws that we feel our partner has and then things will be perfect, but no one is perfect. So what they found is that when people leave a relationship for a better one, they end up trading in the problems or struggles they had for different problems or struggles that may be harder for them to deal with because they didn't have to deal with those things with their first partner because no one is perfect. Everybody's going to have something you need to work on or work through. And I'm going to reiterate what I said in the beginning, that as long as you're still breathing, you can work through it. And talking about breathing, that's, an, you know, if there's abuse going on where you feel like your life is threatened or like your mental health is threatened because the person is constantly, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, or physically abusing you, that's when it's important to leave the situation for safety purposes. Or if you've worked on it repeatedly, actually really put in the effort to work on it. Because sometimes we say we're working on something and if we reflect on it, we really didn't, you know? Yeah. You know, think about it like in school, like your mom, did you really study for the test? Like, like my mom used to say, I'd rather you get, I, I was an A student, but if I like lost two points, I would like get so mad. And my mother would be like, but did you study for it? Because like, if you studied, I'm happier for you to get like an 80 than if you got a 98 because you didn't study. Like, I want you to actually try. So the, the point is, 
give it your best shot in your relationship. If you're actually working on it, seeking professional help, if you've gotten to the point where working on it yourselves just isn't enough. And then it's still not working. Like you can't respect each other. You can't communicate healthily. You just can't do it no matter what you're trying. It's just not working. Then it may be time to talk about how to divorce in a way that's going to be healthiest for your children because divorce can have negative impacts on a kid, but it's not better to stay together for the kid if you're not getting along, because like we said before, kids' emotional health and like feelings of safety are threatened when they are in a home where their parents are constantly fighting. They might even secretly hope their parents get divorced or worry about what's going to happen to them if their parents get divorced. So, you know, really give it, you know, the college try, as they say, put the effort in, work on it together as a couple and then also bring in professional help if you realize you need that and if despite really putting in the work and effort it's just not working or you're unsafe then take things to the next step but first give it your best shot you owe it to yourself you owe it to your partner you owe it to your family it's the best thing for everybody to just really give it that try i think it also helps knowing that everybody has problems you know yes point they're thinking they're going to go to another relationship and it's going to be better and and maybe partially think that because of social media and people not talking about their problems marriage is tough i don't think there is yeah. a marriage out there because there's no right. i mean i mean i'm not like name calling or like you know name dropping but like you know rachel hollis and her husband they had this daily oh, yeah. relationship show and everybody's commenting like oh my god you make me so envious of your relationship and then they announced their divorce so you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And I know that they say they did give it a try. They did that. And they shared good information on their podcast. They were sharing information of like things they were actually working on based on their therapy together. And, you know, it could work for a lot of people for them. It didn't, but for somebody on the outside who like didn't hear that divorce announcement, or let's say they decided not to get divorced and just keep getting in fights and not respecting each other, then you know, people will be like, oh, why don't I have that? Why don't I have that? But you don't know what's going on on the other side of the screen. Yeah, yeah true. true. I think this advice is really good, especially because that's a question we get quite a bit. And a lot of it, we, we hear the details sometimes, and it really is communication, mm -hmm. which is the main thing. So I think yeah. this episode especially will be great for moms who are struggling with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So happy about that. Yeah, no, I'm, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. Yeah. I know it's Sunday, it's family day, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I uh, can't wait. To, well, definitely, I would love to, to keep in contact with you and, and definitely connect more in the future. I, I just love your whole message, and I think that it goes really well we with our message. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll be in touch. All thank right. you. Okay. Have, fun with Have family. a great Sunday. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.